I want to talk to you tonight from the subject intellectual perception. Intellectual perception. In the last couple of weeks, the Lord has, has had me on a chase of some kind, and I have not been able to fully wrap my mind around everything that the Lord is, is trying to say here. But um, sometimes the slightest bit of revelation can change your entire perception about how you view God and your relationship with Him. We, we live in a finite world where there are limitations all around us. There's boundaries and walls and, and barriers and there's obstacles and things that we see with our eyes that, that keep us living in this world. Of course, we have to live in this world, but we're not of the world. And because of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the God that we serve, there is a means of lifting above the elements of this world and seeing into the realm of the Spirit. I believe that is the true dimension of faith. I believe that's why there is a gift of faith. The gift of faith is God's supernatural empowerment of faith that yokes with our faith that causes the impossible to happen. Now, we, we see miracles today, and we see them here in this church. We see them in our multiple congregations. We, we see things happen around us, personal prayers that are made. But in our day-to-day -day walk with God, the enemy is a force at keeping us grounded so that we cannot, we cannot get up into that dimension of faith. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And faith, faith causes us to, to rise above what we can see with the natural eye. And I, I have been on this pursuit of understanding the concept of faith for quite a number of years here. And I, I still, with everything that the Lord has shown me, I still don't feel like I totally grasp it. And yet I feel like I do. But until we see God act in a way that is beyond our comprehension, I believe we have not reached that level of faith. And, of course, we are greater faith, right? We are greater faith. I want to read a, a verse of Scripture, and before I do, I just want to say thank you so much for all of your kindness uh, to myself and our family in the month of October. It sneaks up on us every year. We start having just things showered on us and like, man, what is going on? Oh, it's October. And we share these stories of what you do and, and how kind that you are and how generous you are. And we, we talk about it with other pastors on occasion just thinking that that happens everywhere. And they're looking at us like, your church does what? And it doesn't happen everywhere. And so thank you 
so very, very much. There were two enormous gift baskets, apparently, that were given to my wife to take home today. I have not laid eyes on them except in a picture, and I don't know what all's in it, but uh, you all have been so kind from individual gestures of kindness and cards and things, and if you don't know what October is, uh, we didn't start it, but it's, it's a national deal. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, so we appreciate it. So thank you very, very much. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, just one verse, so God created man in his own image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So God created man in his own image. And I want to talk to you tonight about intellectual perception. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Before we're seated here tonight, we're asking you, Lord, sincerely to speak to us. I'm, I'm praying that you would let scales fall from our thoughts. And I pray that you would remove the limitations. Would you pray with me? Remove the limitations from our minds. Help us, Lord, not to live in the domain of status quo. But help us, Lord God, to rise up into kingdom authority and kingdom dominion, kingdom faith. Believe in, Lord, that you're going to do great and powerful things in our life. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Now, I, I, have, I have scripture here tonight. The problem is I don't have it arranged in a way that makes sense to me. And somehow I think that God does in all of this. But I want to share with you some thoughts that, that I have that I feel like the Lord has been talking with me about. Now, to you, it's probably just going to be elementary and simplistic. Um, I told Pastor Jackson tonight, the Lord really has a tough time working with a simple mind like mine. And I just have to, I just have to keep digging until I, until I get control of it, till I get a hold of it. But when we talk about the, the image of God, Many times we are thinking about a visible image. He formed man of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But it is, it's a lot deeper than that. And the Hebrew word there denotes likeness created in the likeness or as the shadow of God. And there is a human depiction that presents to us that it is a visible image. Now, I believe that there is truth in that because Jesus was the express image of his person. 
And so I do believe in the visible image of God. But I also believe that even deeper than that was the fact that God created us in his essence. And this word here really means that which constitutes the essence of a thing. Not on the account of a figure or a shape. Something that can visibly be seen. But literally the essence of God. Regarding man the term signifies his intellectual perception. And does not necessarily refer to a figure or shape. In Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 26, the scripture gives us example. And I preached on this a couple of years in a message called similes and similitudes. And how God uses symbolism. And we know that a simile is like or as It was like or it was as something. Which means that it was not actually that. But it was like that. In verse 26 of Ezekiel chapter 1 it said above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. It was the likeness of a throne. As the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. So the comparison is made with regard to greatness and glory. And not as many would believe with regard to the square form of the breadth or the length of the legs of a literal throne. Ezekiel was seeing the greatness and the glory and the brilliance of God, his nature, and the power of his throne. Symbolism. Now some, some study God in a superficial way. They're trying to understand him by what they can see or what they can Memorize or a religious institution that they can they can belong to, but you cannot study God and you cannot study His words superficially. There is a revelation that has to come with that, and I and I think that we we believe that we have great revelation of God, but how arrogant would we be to think? And in our finite understanding in the short time that we have served God and some for decades, but it's still short when you measure it against eternity and you measure it against the greatness and the expanse of God. Who can know him? And so we we cannot just withdraw from our lust and our appetites of the world and Take a quick glance at the contents of the scripture as if we're reading some kind of historical work or poetical composition. 
something has to shift in our mind. Now, when, when God created Adam and Eve, he created him in, in, their, in his image and, and in the essence. So let me try to break that down for you. When they, were, when they were created in the essence of God, that means that they could not have evil thoughts. They, they didn't have the capacity to understand what dishonesty was about. The essence of God. They, they didn't know what impurity was. They didn't know what immorality was. They didn't know things like adultery. There was only two of them, but they wouldn't know anything because it wasn't in their nature. They were created in the essence of God. They wouldn't know how to gossip or to tear somebody down. That knowledge came when they made a conscious decision to exchange the divine intellectual knowledge of God for earthly knowledge. That's when they began to understand the evil that we see in our world today. Now, one thing that you have to wrap your mind around is, is that what they saw after the fall was not different than what they saw before the fall with their natural eyes. They didn't see anything different. The garden was not different. They were not different. They were naked before the fall and they were naked after the fall. What changed was not what they saw. It was what they knew. The Bible said that they, they knew that they were naked. The, the essence of God is such, it is such a higher level of intelligence that it cannot reduce itself to think of evil. The mind of God cannot, cannot conceive negativity. It, he, he does not have the ability to think things that are not pure and not honest and not right and that are false and that are pseudo, that are fake, that are destructive to people. He doesn't have the ability to do it. That's the essence of God. So what happened after the fall was man's intellectual intelligence changed from not being able to conceive anything negative or evil to mostly only being able to conceive evil. Because we see the progression that goes from Adam and Eve all the way up to the Tower of Babel and the Lord confounds their language and, and eventually we get to the place where Noah builds an ark, he destroys the earth by flood and then the Lord repented and he said, I realize now that the heart of man is only evil continually. God learns something about man in that moment. Because he didn't have the ability to think evil thoughts. We see, we see this same symbolism 
And the same concept when, when Israel fell to idolatry. And this is just in one case. The Bible said that he detested their graven images. He detested their graven images. Now watch this. God couldn't care less what the image looked like. He did, it, it didn't matter to him whether it was gold, silver, wood. It didn't matter what it was made out of him. He, he did not look at those graven images and say, I hate the way that looks. He detested them, not because of their appearances, but on account of the idea that was represented by them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20, Paul said, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. But here's what we do. We're looking with a natural eye and we're trying to figure out why God don't like stuff. What's wrong with this? It's just a trinket. It's just an ornament. It's just a piece of attire. Why, why doesn't God like these things? Is it because perceptionally, perceptually, he's looking at it and he's, you know, it's not like he don't like the color of it or like the substance of it. He doesn't like what it represents. Idolatry has nothing to do with the object. It has everything to do with the spirit behind the object. So when he looks at your life, he's still looking at the visible image that was created in the mud that day when he made Adam. It's still the same image, visibly. But what has changed is the essence. We're, we're trying to live for God by, by getting everything in order. We're trying to get all the rules right. We're, try, we're trying to pray a certain amount of time. We're trying to read our Bible every day. We're trying to come to church regular, trying to be faithful. And all that stuff is good. But that stuff doesn't bring righteousness into our lives. Those things are a byproduct of the fact that the essence of God is being developed inside of you. The reason that people are unfaithful to the house of God and they're unfaithful to their prayer life and they're unfaithful in tithes and offering is not because they have a habit problem. It's because they have an essence problem. It's because something is broken on the inside. The reason people don't live for God is not because they haven't put enough time in their schedule. It's because something is off on the inside. And until God begins to renovate your spirit and get his essence renewed back in your life, you will never see on the outside what God wants to see. This makes sense. 1 Samuel chapter 28. Now, I'll tell you what. Let me go down a little bit. Give me just a minute. Let me just say this. Now, I, I'm also of the opinion that, that the reason why this term is used for idols 
may be found on the circumstance that they are worshipped on account of some idea represented by them, not on account of the figure and the shape. So let, let me just say this. Intellectually, use your brain tonight to not think what a human being would think about what God thinks about your life. You're going to have to allow the mind of Christ to do inventory on your life. You're going to have to allow the mind of Christ to begin to analyze what's going on in your spirit and in your life. If you're keeping the wrong habits and evil is in your life and sin is in your life, it's not really a sin problem, it's an essence problem. The Lord is trying. He, he was trying from the time that he cast them out of the garden. He was trying to formulate a plan to help them to understand there's got to be bloodshed. There's got to be sacrifice. There's got to be some mediation going on. It's not because the Lord loves sacrifice. It's not because the Lord wanted an animal to die. It's because something has to cost you something. The Lord said, I cannot give you redemption for free. I have to have something from you that is pure, that is innocent, to get you back to a place of innocence and back into the essence of my nature. He said, I've got to have something that is innocent. You're not innocent, but I need you to sacrifice something that's innocent. I need something that's innocent to take your place and eventually God would robe himself in flesh and become a man and die on the cross for your transgressions. If you ever wonder how much you owe God, why don't you look at the cross? If you ever ask yourself, am I giving God enough? Why don't you look at the cross? And why don't you look at his bloody visage? Why don't you look at his nail-pierced hands and his feet pierced? If he pierced with the five-inch Roman spikes, why don't you look on his serrated back that was ripped by the cat of nine tails over and over? They beat him. They mocked him. They spit upon him. So the question arises, am I giving enough to God? He didn't ask you to sacrifice your own blood. He was the innocent one that took your place. But he didn't do that, do that for you, for you to live in the worldly essence. He did that so he could get you back to his essence and get you thinking like he thinks and loving people like he loves him. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise? I'm going to try to help you a little bit more. Psalms chapter 17 and 12. Like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, like as a lion is greedy of his prey. And as it were, a young lion lurking in secret places. Like as a lion that is greedy for prey. The scripture didn't use that word lion there because of its stature. The resemblance indicated in these passages does not refer to the figure and the shape of the lion. But it is used there for the nature of the lion. The psalmist compared them to someone that has the nature of a lion that is greedy of his prey. So I want to ask you tonight, when the Lord looks beyond all your pretty church get up and he looks at all your beautiful hairdos and he looks at your handsome physique that you've been working so hard on, 
And he looks at all of your cosmetic stuff that's going on in your life. And you worried about your appearance when the Lord looks at you. And he looks beyond the veneer of all that kind of stuff into the nature of who you are. What does he see? Now I'm just giving you an introduction here. You say, well, how, how do I get there? Well, it has to do with intellectual perception. How do you perceive God? Not how you see him, but how do you perceive God? The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew. Everybody say they knew. They were naked. They were still naked. But something changed about their intellectual perception. I'm trying to drive that home to you. Not that they saw that they were naked. They knew that they were naked. Nothing had changed with what they saw. Nothing outward was different. They were naked before the fall. I know I've said this about seven times. And they were naked afterwards. So let me ask you, when the Lord looks at your pretty little Christian get up, on this side and on this side of that tree of knowledge of good of evil and evil that you're, that you're eating from, nothing's changed on the outside. You're still in the same old Christian get up. The question is, boy, I got quiet right here. The question is, what's going on inside? You'll never get this right until you get the inside right. And you'll never get the inside right until you get this right. You'll never get this right until you get the inside right. It's hand and glove. I'm taking my time here tonight because we're headed somewhere. This has everything to do with faith. It has everything to do with faith. How you perceive God has everything to do with faith. Is God this little trinket that you take off the shelf and, and bring him into your life on Sunday? Look at me, I'm going to church. Look at me, I'm going to a prayer meeting. I'm not saying this condemning. I'm trying to make us think here for just a moment. Or is there such an awe and a reverence and a fear of God in your life that everything in you says, God, I need to get back to that pre-Adamic fall. One man brought death into the world, but another man brought life. And I'm clawing my way back from death to life. I'm trying to shed these old worldly clothes. I'm trying to get rid of the shame. The fig leaves, they thought they were trying to hide their nakedness because that's what they saw. But what they were really trying to hide was their shame. And you can't hide shame with religious exercises and a few leaves here and there on Sunday. The only way you can get rid of your shame is to understand his nature, that he loves you, and that he wants to impart his essence in your life. So there's a perception. You can be seated. There's a perception that has to change. 
there's a, there's a perception that has to change. When they fell, Adam received a new faculty where he found things wrong which previously had, he had not regarded as wrong. He did not receive a new sense of sight, but he received a new sense of knowledge. And they traded in what they had for this new source of knowledge. They traded God's divine perception for an earthly perspective. Ezekiel 12 and 2, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house which have eyes to see and see not. And they have ears to hear and they hear not for they are a rebellious house. What makes the difference between a person that has revelation and a person that reads this book every day of their life but they cannot seem to get a revelation of God? I would submit to you that that the difference is made in faith. The only way that can change, the only thing that can change your perception of God is faith. You're going to have to start believing in the propitiation of Jesus Christ and what he did when he died for you. He was not just getting rid of your sin. He was restoring the divine intellectual perception of God in your life. You've got to change the way you think. Can I hit that here for just a moment? You are not a loser. You are not a failure. You are not going to go to hell if you don't want to go to hell. If you make up in your mind, I'm going to live for God. Revelation is going to come because faith releases the intellectual perception of God and allows you to see him in a way that you've never seen him before. That's why, watch, that's why, that's why, listen, I was straight this morning. I'll be kind tonight. I was kind this morning. I was trying to save some people. But that's why, that's why you can't have symbolism and trinkets on the wall and crucifixes and crosses hanging around your neck. Because God is not going to limit himself to that image. Because he said, I'm the Lord and I change not. But yet everywhere you look in scripture to one, he's the lily of the valley. To another, he's the rose of Sharon. To one, he's the alpha because they can't get started. To the other one's the omega because he can't, they can't get finished. Can I preach right now? To one, he's their savior because they're lost. To the other, he's the counselor because they're about to lose their mind. To another, he's the comforter because they're living in fear. To another, he's the great physician because they're sick in body. And you can't just take a trinket and throw it on the wall and say, that's the image of God. It's not the image of God. God doesn't have an image except in the thoughts and the mind and the perception that he puts in your mind. Revelation. Revelation is the image of God. The essence of God is the image of God. Haven't you ever wanted to get to a place? Haven't you ever prayed this prayer? Can I preach right now? Haven't you ever gotten to a place where you just laid your hands on your mind and you said, Oh, God, take everything out of my mind that's not supposed to be there. You know what you're doing? 
Take me to the pre-Adamic garden, Lord. Take these filthy thoughts out of my mind. Take these lying thoughts out of my mind. Take these thoughts out of my mind that, ma- that makes me think the whole world hates me and that I'm a loser and that I'm not beautiful and that I'm not, and that I'm not treasured and nobody cares about me and nobody loves me. Do something with my mind right now. I need you. I need to see myself the way you see me and the way you saw me is looking through the filter of the blood on the cross. You are not smart enough. You are not smart enough to understand God just by mental assent. They could not see. They could not hear because they were a rebellious house. Stay with me. He was not speaking of eyesight. And hearing in the material world, but spiritually. Now, man generally turns his face toward what he desires. And if you behold the forbidden long enough, it causes blurry spiritual vision. And yet it wasn't so much his eyes, but it was his mind. He directed his thoughts toward the forbidden fruit, and they knew that they were naked. That word knew means to learn, to learn, to discern, to experience. Their eyes, their eyes, their spiritual eyes were opened. Being opened means that they received understanding. But the problem was they were receiving an understanding of things that God never intended for them to understand. He never wanted them to learn adultery. He never wanted them to experience rebellion and disobedience. And so Adam, as he altered his intention and he directed his thoughts to the acquisition of what was forbidden, he was banished from paradise. He had access to every, listen to me, every tree in the garden except one. But when he partook of the one, he forfeited all. So let me ask you tonight, how much is one sin worth to you? So now he's going to exist on a lesser fruit with a guilt-ridden mind. And he's going to have to sweat to obtain it. In Genesis 3 and 23, are you with me? Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground 
Watch. The Bible mentions it. He was sent forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground. Watch. From whence he was taken. He's going to till what he's made of. The ground was now going to have to be plowed. It was going to have to be broken up. It was going to have to be turned over. It was going to have to be cultivated. The ground represented the nature of man. Fallen man is now going to have to be plowed. They can't be saved without a preacher. It's going to have to be broken up. It's going to have to be turned over. It's going to have to be cultivated. You're going to have to sweat a little bit, Adam, because you did this to yourself. I gave you every tree in the garden, but you couldn't keep your hands off that one. And so now you have caused something to shift in your mind that I can't, I can't help you right now to get it back. It's going to take time. But you've done something to the human race that's going to take me about 4,000 years to fix. But when I get there, when I get to Calvary, when I get to Bethlehem, when I lay in the manger, when they take my bloody cords up that cross, when they lay me in the tomb, when I get up on the third day, I'm going to reverse I'm going to turn it all around. And I'm going to take what you lost. And I'm going to give it back to you. But Adam, you and your people are going to have to learn. You can no longer walk by sight. You're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to see in your mind what doesn't exist. And believe what you see in your mind is going to come to pass. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Genesis 3.18, thorns and thistles, man. Thorns and thistles. Anybody got any thorns and thistles in your life? It's going to bring forth and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Thorns and thistles. Adam, you're going to be able to produce something from the ground that you cultivate. But in the middle of what you produce is going to be a bunch of stuff that's going to drive you crazy. It's going to choke you. It's going to prick you. It's going to stick you. It's going to hurt. It's going to prod you. And in the middle of your production... It's going to be frustration. But in the middle of all of this, you're going to learn the price of your toil. For the next 4,000 years, you and your descendants are going to learn that everything you do, it doesn't matter what I require of you, you're not going to be able to do it. Because of the decision that you made today. You might could have done it beforehand, but in your fallen condition, you're not going to be able to do it anymore. Therefore... You're going to have to have a savior. Now, what happens is people turn their profession of faith in Jesus Christ into this small, short, insignificant experience 
that doesn't do anything for them. I profess my I profess the Lord Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior. Good, but you're still an alcoholic and you're still addicted and you're you're still got a bad attitude and you still don't think right and you still don't have the right perception and you don't understand God. You've got to have more than a profession of faith. You've got to have an impartation of the essence of God. It's called the Holy Ghost. And when he imparts the Holy Ghost, that essence starts toiling. It starts fighting with that nature that you have. And you're trying to live for God by what you see. The enemy, the the reason he's messing with your mind is because this is where you perceive God. He's going to keep your mind bogged down. He's going to keep the frustration in your mind. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? He's going to keep the agitation in your mind. He's going to put thoughts in your mind that you can't get out of your mind. Thoughts of what happened to you when you were a child that you can't let go of. Thoughts that when somebody said something about you, somebody's been lying on you, somebody's been talking about you, you grew up being insecure, feeling like you were worthless and nothing and the enemy just working on your mind trying to get you to live by what you see well it's bad it looks bad so it must be bad but when you get the Holy Ghost all of a sudden something starts happening up here and you start saying no 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 I know what I see But something up here tells me that my God is going to bring me through and that my God is going to bring me out. I know what I'm facing because I can see it with my two blue eyes. But up here right now, the Lord is working on my intellectual perception. And I remember nothing is ever as bad as it seems. And I remember an old rugged cross. I remember what the preacher said. On Sunday night, something has happened with my mind. I don't care what I see with my eyes. I care what I know with my mind. And I know my God is able and I know he's powerful and I know he's going to bring me through oh I wish somebody would praise him right now oh come on somebody praise him right now now I'm going to help you get there be seated I'm going to help you get there Moses is put in a basket he's he floats down the river Pharaoh's daughter brings him out. He becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter because they were killing all the firstborn of Israel. Forty years he lives in the palace of Pharaoh. But the Bible said he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Forty years he's there in a palace and he murders somebody. Moses has enough whatever in him to take a human life. But the Bible described him as the meekest man that had ever lived. I don't think that happened to him while he was living in Egypt. I think that happened to him after his mistake. I think God led him to the backside of a desert somewhere after he murdered that Egyptian. And I think God started working on him. And when God called him at the burning bush, the Bible said he hid his face and wouldn't even look at God. It humbled him. My God, I feel something. It humbled him. 
But somewhere down the road in Scripture, something has changed now about Moses again. He's changed, and his perception of God is different. And he says, God, I think we're close enough now I can ask you, show me your glory. The same man that hid his face at the burning bush and wouldn't even look on it is now saying, show me your glory. Because when your perception of God begins to change, you understand that there's more of him out there. And God, whatever you're willing, my God, have mercy. Whatever you're willing to show me, Lord, that's what I want to see. My God, my God, have mercy. Our passions and desires are the flesh of the offspring of the imagination. But the true essence of God is the offspring of vision. The difference I've said many times before. Are y'all with me? The difference I have said many times before between imagination and vision is imagination is the human brain's ability to create things that do not exist. But when you come under the influence of the Spirit of God, the imagination turns to vision. And you begin to see things, not here, but here. Without a vision, the people perish. He's not just talking about a picture of your future. He's talking about your perception of God. Until your mind comes under the influence of the Holy Ghost, until somewhere in your mind, ooh, was I imagining that? Close. It was the same tool. It just wasn't the same influence. The Spirit of God, the influence of God on the same tool that your imagination's working, but you're praying, you're praying in tongues, and my God, you're deep in the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden you begin to see things in your mind happening. You're not losing your mind. You just cross back into the old pre-Adamic nature of the Garden of Eden where God is trying to take every single one of us. I wish I could help convey this thought to you tonight. God is about to help some of you. Let me, let me ask you a question. I, I, I must, Lord, help me to explain this correctly. If Adam and Eve were both naked before, they were naked before the fall and they were naked after the fall, nothing changed about the material world. It was their perception of it, right? I've said that about ten times. But let me just ask you a question. If you have a tumor on your body that you can see, you got the tumor the size of your fist, and you can see it on your body. You can see it on your body. But when you pray the prayer of faith, faith doesn't come from what you see. It's in your spirit and it comes right up here. And in your mind, you say, it's gone. 
The tumor's gone. The tumor's gone. Yeah, I know it is. I know it's gone. How many of you have ever had that kind of feeling before when you got prayed for? Maybe not a tumor, but just anything. You, you prayed for and you knew it was gone. But you looked down. Oh, it's, it's not gone. It's, it's still there. I see it. I don't care what you see with your eyes. Faith is not right here. Can you see it in your mind? And if you can see it in your mind, faith will run from here right down to the tumor. You might conceive bankruptcy with your eyes, but what can you see in your mind? You might see a broken marriage with your natural eyes, but what can you see with faith in your mind? Can I preach to somebody right now? You might feel like you're running up against a wall. In with your eyes, you see the wall, but in your mind, you're leaping over the wall. You're running through a troop. If you can see it in your mind, faith will release the miracle. But is it that mind over matter? Yes. It is. But it's not psychosis. It's God saying, I need you to walk by faith. But Lord, I don't see the way. You don't? Why don't you pray until you see the way? But Lord, I don't see how. You don't? Well, why don't you pray until you see how? The enemy is after your mind. Because it's what Adam did to us. It's what the fall of man did to us. Am I preaching anybody here tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Am I preaching to anybody here tonight? It's what Adam did to us. Sorry, Adam. Not that Adam. He said, I try. It's what happened. It's this fallen nature. Be seated. I'm almost done. Fallen nature always assumes the worst. God's nature always assumes the best. I know the thoughts that I have for you. (laughs) I'm trying to get somebody out of the natural world. I don't care what you see right now. It doesn't matter. to I don't care how many facts you've got to support your destruction and your demise. I do not care how many lies the devil has told you. It doesn't matter to me how long you have waited through the promise for the promise. I don't care what the enemy has tried to do to turn every molehill in your life into a mountain that you can't get over. You've got to go from this to this. 
and let God anoint your mind. He said, we who have known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of oh my God and mercy of Christ. I need somebody to get it in your head tonight that God is about to do miracles in your life. It's not just preacher fodder that I'm putting on the fire to burn. God needs us to believe him tonight. We walk by faith. We are people of faith. We believe in faith. We're believing for the impossible. almost done when I pray for the sick if I know what I'm praying for which most of the time I ask and I pray for them I'm not just laying my hands on them and my mind wandering all over the place that's why I tell you when you're praying keep your mind on the Lord keep your mind on the Lord don't be thinking about you know, I got to mow the yard later, and I, I got I got errands to run, and I got problems at home, and I got mess going on in my life. No, 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 the, that's distractions of the enemy. You got to keep your if you're if you're praying in that heavenly language, don't just be mumbling, jumbling, rattling on about nothing. Get your mind on the Lord and let him begin to paint a picture for you because that language you're speaking in is God's expression of His intellectual perception. Ah. I know everybody's not going to get it tonight. But when you're praying, when you're praying, you get your mind on the Lord. And some of you, that's why the Bible said, what does it say? I wish I could remember this right now, wrap my head around it. It said, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. Huh? Whatsoever things are just, you know why? Because that's the mind of God. That's the only way he can think. He said, if there be any of these things, think on these things. If there be any praise, if there be any praise, if there be any praise, think on these things. The devil's been beating me up today, but I... I remember somebody giving praise to God last night. I remember somebody, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, right now. I remember somebody praising Him because God healed their body. I remember somebody lifting Him up because God did a miracle in their life. I'm thinking about it right now. Devil, you got to go. Devil, you got to turn my mind loose. Devil, you got to get out of my thoughts. In the name of Jesus, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Well, somebody ought to praise him right now. Yeah. Stand if you will. Now watch. Watch. This ain't about emotion. Now, you want to show emotion, that's great. Get after it. You want to show emotion, but this ain't about emotion. This is about the Spirit of God anointing your mind. Changing your intellectual perception. Now, I'm probably the only one that does this. I know I am. I'm preaching to perfect people in here tonight. 
I'm probably the only one that's ever done this. Bad news comes. Now, I don't say this anymore. I do everything I can not to, but I have said it in the past. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Uh -huh. That's just what I expected. I'm probably the only one that's ever done that. But I'm going to tell you what some of you do. You're just waiting on the next shoe to fall. You're waiting on the next letter to come in the mail that tells you the news is worse than you thought. You're, you're waiting on the last string to come unraveled. You're just waiting because nothing good ever happens for you. The enemy can work on you to become an ominous feeling of defeat. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just say amen if you know what I'm talking about. But tonight, we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to change the way we think. You are going to do more than make it. You're going to be amazing. You're going to do more than just survive. You're going to do more than conquer. You are going to be more than a conqueror. Just hold on. You're going to do more. God is going to do more for you than you ever thought possible. But there are going to be some thoughts that are come to, going to come to your mind tonight. And the Lord is going to lift that heaviness off of your mind. Am I preaching anybody? He's going to help you to move into another dimension of faith. This is not mental ascent. This is letting faith come from your spirit and infiltrate the thoughts of your mind. Get away from what you see. Get away from you, what you see. Quit partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And get back in the presence of God. And understand that God only has good thoughts for you. Would you lift your hands right now? Stand and lift your hands all over the building. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want you to pray with me. We're going to open these altars here in just a moment. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I pray. I pray, Lord, that you would transform something in this building here. I pray, Lord, that you would turn something for somebody in this place. In the name of the Lord, you shall live and not die. You'll be blessed and not cursed. God is going to bless your going in and your coming out. He's going to heal your body. You're not going to die in your dilemma. You're not going to be overturned, overrun by disease. You're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to have a nervous breakdown. You're not going to be depressed anymore. In the name of Jesus, I pray for your mind. Come on, open your mouth and say, God, I got to have you right now. Come on, greater faith. I'm going to open these altars here in just a moment. But I want you to pray with your mouth. I want you to confess it with your mouth. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord God. That's it. Now listen to me. I got to tell you this before we open the altars. This is important. For every person in this place. Adam and Eve never hid themselves. Till they had a lapse in faith. Well it was disobedience that brought sin. Yeah but a lapse in faith. Brought the disobedience. They didn't believe what God had said. It was a breach in faith. You've got to defend your faith. 
every minute and say, I refuse to let go of it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They didn't hide themselves until they had a lapse in faith. Faith says, I believe if I approach him, he's going to have a word for me. He's going to walk with me in the cool of the day. Don't let the presence of God intimidate you to where you can't approach him, to where you can't just talk to him like you would talk to your best friend. He's the friend that's sticking closer than the brother where you can't just say, God, I am desperate for a fresh understanding of you. Don't you let unbelief keep you back in the pew tonight. I mean this. When I open these altars, every last person back there, from the front to the back, ought to come hurrying out of your pew down to the front of this building and say, tonight, I'm going above the issues in my life. I'm, I'm coming above the stuff, and I'm rising to a level of faith. Are you ready? I want you to come in three, two, one, right now. Come on, come right now. Don't think about it. Come right now. Just come right now. Just come right now. Come right now. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Just come down right now. Just come on down right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Now, I'd rather you stand and not kneel because the posture is important for you to receive. I want you to begin to give to the Lord everything, every challenge that you have. I want you to give Him your kids. I want you to give Him your finances. I want you to give Him your employment issues. I want you to give him everything that the devil's attacking you with. Your family problems, your marital issues, your mental problems, the mental attack, the emotional problems. In the name of Jesus, I give it to you right now. You don't have to worry about anybody sneaking up on you. Just close your eyes so you can focus on him. you got to block out the material world so you can get your mind on Jesus. And I want you to tell him right now, Father, I am, I am coming to a place of restoration. I need you to restore my mind, Lord Jesus. I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. I'm not in despair. I'm not perplexed. Oh, Jesus, right now. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I want you to call out to him. With your mouth, confession is made. I confess, you can say it out loud. I confess you, Lord, as my physician. You're my banker, you're my lawyer, you're my savior. You're my shepherd. This ain't about emotion. Have all the emotion you want to. Go crazy if you want to. But make sure that you let the Lord anoint your mind right now. Come on. It's not going to just get better. It's going to get amazing. God is about to make a massive difference in my life. That's it. Why don't you tell him, Lord, I'm sorry for partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Forgive me, Lord, for my lapse in faith. Forgive me, Lord, for every time I've disobeyed you. 
Come on, greater faith, something's happening right now. Something's happening right now. Woo! I feel it. I feel it right now. Jesus, move on us. That's it. Come on, greater faith. I need some prayer warriors. I need some intercessors right now. I pray, Lord God, that every tough, rough, hard exterior that people have built around their heart and around their mind would come down right now like the walls of Jericho. Let it come down and let faith, let faith come out. Oh, if you got faith, respond to him right now. Somebody needs to tell him, God, I have faith that you're going to fill me with the Holy Ghost in this place. Hey, uh, la, 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 bakanda, solo bakanda, Come on, the enemy will attack you in your sleep. He'll attack you in the middle of the day. He'll find you alone in a solitary place and he will torment your mind. But God is going to impart his intellectual perception in your mind. Oh, I see it. I see it. I see myself speaking in tongues. I see myself being filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you are feeling the Holy Ghost. If you'll let what you feel in your spirit come up in your mind, let it come out of your mouth. You're going to speak in a language you've never spoken in before. Come on, just tell him. Woo! My God, come on. I feel a visitation of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I know we didn't come charging down to the altar, but there's a river that's starting to flow in this place. Come on, nobody's watching you. You don't have an audience except with the Lord. It's you and you and the Lord alone right now. In the name of Jesus, come on, you just you and Jesus in this place. Oh, hallelujah, let it happen. God, change the way that I think. Change the way that I perceive you. Change my understanding of you, Lord. I must be saved. More than that, God, I must be like you. I need the essence of God to be imparted here. My God, feel it in your spirit. It's deep. It's deep. Come on, you're going to walk out of this place tonight with peace peace in your mind the Lord is going to deliver you oh hallelujah from every bit of heaviness the thought that's been weighing on your mind the Lord is going to deliver you from it right now ah turn it over to the Lord I give it to you Jesus I give this to you Jesus it's not mine to carry I can't carry it Lord 
Jesus, 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 hallelujah. Somebody needs to lay your hands on your own head. Those images you can't get rid of. The remembrance of the abuse in your life. The violation, the people that have taken advantage of you. Oh, hallelujah. The thoughts that you have that nobody thinks about. I pray, Lord, that you would set them free. Oh, give them peace. Yes, I feel it right now. I feel the Lord healing somebody's mind. Your mental health is the most important thing in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 